Good morning, sanctuary. <laughs> In our story from the gospel this morning, the world was about to change. And Jesus was about to enter his passion, leading to his death and the start of what we know as the new creation. Um, Mary steps up in anticipation of that and does something kind of crazy. So I want to make a simple point this morning that often when something changes the world, um, the status quo, it requires people to act in radical ways, ways that when somebody observes them, they look a bit crazy. The status quo stays the status quo until it's confronted oftentimes with extravagant action. So in our story, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and at some point in the dinner, Mary gets up and grabs about a pint of pure nard. This is from the root of an Indian uh, nard tree. It's very expensive stuff, and it creates a very expensive perfume, and she pours all of it out on the feet of Jesus, wipes his feet with her hair, and the house is filled with this extravagant perfume. Uh, I remember as a kid, my mom's friends always had too much perfume. And uh, it's one of those things that I don't personally enjoy. So this whole thing just filled this little house where they're at. Um, a couple of significant points that are embedded in this story. One is that Jews didn't touch the feet of other people in this time. It was considered a kind of um, uh, degrading thing to do. And it was the deed that was normally reserved for slaves and for others who, to whom which very little honor was due. The fact that Mary was willing to do this act at a meal in front of people speaks volumes about her elevated regard for Jesus. And so this happens. Another point in this story that's interesting is we're told that the perfume Mary used was equivalent to of a laborer's annual rate or annual wages. Think about that, a year's wage in this little chunk of nard. Um, it's a very significant amount uh, in a subsistence culture where it was pretty difficult just to simply get what you needed day by day, which is the world in which the first century, that kind of world was that world. This, this nard would have certainly served as a kind of economic security blanket for her. And probably in Mary's case, it would have been her dowry, a woman's dowry, which meant that this gift, from a sociological perspective, this gift um, depleted Mary of the potential of gaining a husband because you had to have a dowry to enter into marriage. So this is a very extravagant move on behalf of Mary. This was not just some nice act that she was doing to honor the Lord, but was a tremendous demonstration of commitment uh, to him. And Jesus accepted her act uh, of dedication and, and that many considered both strange and wasteful. And he claimed that it would be told of her wherever the gospel was preached. And that's why all four uh, gospels carry some version of this particular story. What if this story is telling us that there are some things that won't change or won't be put into motion unless we go all in. I mean, what if, what if some of what God wants to do in our lives 
can only be done when we put the security of our lives at risk. This certainly doesn't go for everything, praise the Lord. <laughs> right? Most of the time, simply doing good works and praying about stuff in our lives in a kind of a persistent marathon kind of way uh, brings all the good to bear that we need in our lives. So that's good news. But what if there are times when just being consistent isn't enough? Where we have to sprint towards the change of something, not just being a marathon. Where you use up all the energy you have in a short burst of time, right? A sprint. Times when you have to take all your nard <laughs> and waste it on a moment. What if there are times like that? I think that there are. Do you remember one of Newton's laws of motion states that it takes more energy to change the speed of an object or to put an object in motion or to change its direction than it does to just keep it going. In other words, what that suggests is that we live in a world where change isn't always easy. Sometimes just leaving things alone is what we feel is the easiest thing to do. It takes lots of energy to change things, sometimes all in energy. Think of the status quo of racism in America back in the late 50s, early 60s, when a figure like Martin Luther King came on the scene and went all in. Uh, could he have affected change by casual approaches? Probably not. Or I've seen hospitals light up. I used to work in the hospital when I was uh, going through college, and, and uh, the place would light up when they would yell out code blue. And people would rush everywhere, do, run into a room and do everything they possibly could to save a patient. I mean, they were sprinting because the situation demanded it. There was no casual there. There are situations you will encounter in life that casual doesn't make it. About 20 years ago, I had some very, I made some very bad choices in my life and I thought for sure I was going to lose my marriage. And I will never forget when Gail Gunger <laughs> leaned over in that horrifying moment of openness and shame and she grabbed my face and she looked into my eyes and she said, listen, you are my husband, we are going to make it. And we went all in. The situation demanded it. And we made it. The Bible and the church, the history of the church, are loaded with all in nard stories. The story of Abraham is one. In Abraham, this is 11, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> I love that. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. It's so open space, and he had to jump all in. And that's what started the story we know is the Jewish story. Moses fits in here, too. In Hebrews 11 again, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, which would have been an advantage to him. But he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Uh, 
He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He went all in because he looked forward to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He preserved because, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. See, what's crazy is that going all in costs you, costs what some consider to be too much. And you can't even be sure of a return on your commitment and investment. In the book of Daniel, we have these three Hebrew young men who refused to bow to this pagan god in Babylon. They, they knew if they didn't that they would be thrown in a fire furnace. They all, had, all they had to do was just bow. <laughs> I mean, you know, just, just get this out of the way and leave them alone. But they refused to do a simple thing and they go all in with their very lives. And Daniel records it, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, it is, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you did not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are not ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And watch. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the burning furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But watch. But even if he does not, see, this is the all-in deal. You're going all-in because of a different reason than manipulating. You're going all-in because that's what you do. You just go all-in. And sometimes you win, and sometimes you don't. Even if he does not, we just want you to know, King, we're not going to do this deal you're asking us to do. Ain't going to happen. These are risky moments. They take courage. These are, you have to give it your best shot time. Right? The all chips are in, and it's time to show your cards time. And you need to be okay with outcomes, win or lose, because there are no guarantees. These times are leaps of faith. And you're leaping with the hope of God's hand stepping in, but you just don't know. It's in a way, I think of it like when, when, when Jesus is walking on the water and he comes up to the boat and the, they're freaked out that it's Jesus in the middle of the night and it's storming. And they ask, who are you? He said, it is Jesus. And Peter says, well, if it is, tell me to come out. And Peter gets, starts to get out of the boat. And I always think in my mind, it's one thing to get your foot kind of out of the boat and dipping a little. <laughs> it's a whole other thing to shift your weight. Yeah. I mean, that shift your weight is, yes. that's nard dime right there. <laughs> Mary in our gospel took a risk. She has the loss of her 401k. She has the loss of a hope for a family life. And she didn't know how Jesus would respond. I mean, one of the disciples freaked out, you remember. Said, what are you doing? That was a total waste. This could have helped people. Well, that seems reasonable. What if Jesus would have rebuked her too? 
I mean, not everything that Jesus' disciples did was applauded by Jesus. There was one time in Luke 9 where Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. This is, he's going into his passion. This is his big moment. And one of the little towns in Samaria wouldn't let him pass through it. And, and his disciples got all flustered and they started, you know, really trying to just defend Jesus and say Jesus is important. He's trying to do his mission. He, he, they said to him, shall we call fire down? And Jesus didn't say, man, thanks for looking out for me, guys. That's a little radical, but thanks for looking out for me. Now, Jesus looked at them and said, you guys don't even know what spirit you're of right now. You got some demon stuff going on right now. You think you're being good. Jesus could have rebuked Mary and sided with the disciples' claim that the poor should be taken care of and that a, a, a whole year of wages should not be wasted on something like this. It's silly. But he didn't. It turned out that the wastefulness was right. What if sometimes wastefulness is right? What if there are times when only the sheer extravagance of going all in will bring healing or change? (laughs) Some situations just simply demand it. It might be some sort of an addiction in your life. It might be a friendship that's absolutely critical in your life. It might be a child who's going through some really hard times that you just have, you just, it just demands you have to go all in. It might be a marriage. It might be a moment in your career or maybe trying to change some negative aspect in the culture in which we live that demands something more than just casual, more than a vote. Some things will not change until someone risks it all in order for the change to come. The good news is we don't have to always go all in. The very nature of it, the cost of it, demands rarity. But life does have a few of these. I'm glad most of life is a marathon, but life does have a few sprints in it. So how do you discern an all-in moment? Three little quick thoughts. One is recognize the things that matter to you to the core. They're not the same for everybody. But in your heart, in your openness, in your journey, there's some things that just will naturally rise to the top as being most important. Sure, you have to be discerning and realize it might be something wrong, right? You might be greedy or you might be proud. Or, you know, you, but processing all that out of the way, getting the negative out, what matters to you the most? If it, if it isn't something that matters that deep to the bone, it's not an all-in thing you want to do. Another thing is, is be in a community of care. Have people close enough to you who care for you, spiritual leaders who care for you so that you can tell them what you're thinking about going all in on. And that can provide a safety. And then the last thing is, really, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, you don't get many all ins, right? Be sure. As I read the lectionary text this week, I was surprised, you know, because there's a number of them, and we just walk through, generally speaking, in the community, even though we're open to the Spirit to lead us in different ways. Generally, we just, there's a, a lectionary that we walk through. It takes three years to get through everything, and it lists the text. And I'm always surprised sometimes at how a lectionary text will speak. I go, oh my gosh, it's like the Holy Spirit somehow is in this, and it's surprising, right? So I'm reading this, and I go, because oh, I felt caught by the Spirit, particularly for where we are as a community here. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that, that in a very real way, this is an all-in moment for sanctuary. 
if you've been watching, you know that we've been going back and forth, you know, we're move, trying to move forward and have for, for some time. We're in a place where our, our numbers are down, our finances are down. We failed twice to secure a lead pastor over the past four years. And it's a tad sad, right? And in, in some ways, it, it feels a little discouraging. But when I started to, to, to jump in a few weeks ago with the vestry board and with the staff and with the bishops that are involved, there was this odd wind that started filling my sail, surprising. Some sense of encouragement. I mean, I actually started thinking, not in these terms, but I started thinking, where's the nard? Where can I, you know, we need to waste some nard on this house. <laughs> and so I talked with the best board with the staff. They're, they're all in. Gail and I started scraping together our financial and energy nard. <laughs> and we thought, you know, man, we, we can do this. I don't know where that came from. And so we decided to load up the truck and move to Beverly, man, you know. For some of you younger, that's a reference, a cultural reference. If you didn't get it, it's because you're younger, you poor, unfortunate soul. Well, we decided to just come. Being the lead pastor at Sanctuary is not the paid position for me. We're going all in because we believe Jesus wants to do something in Tulsa through this community. We believe that. So will we be able to rebuild sanctuary? Will we be able to help her fulfill her calling in this city? I hope so. I think so. But we have all our chips in on this. And if things don't work, it won't be for a lack of commitment <laughs> or a lack of trying. And whatever happens in the next several years, we're, we're going into this with a zeal of paratroopers. And we're going to love the ride, even if it's bumpy. And even if we discover at the end of the journey, our chutes don't open. <laughs> but we'll go, woo, woo. <laughs> All I'm really asking is, we'd love for you to come along.